everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is an astounded, uh, bitter, angry Chuck Smith. And I'm here with someone who is probably even more hostile and more angry than me, our own ID No Name. And just a little fact before we get rolling on this, this is the 506th episode that we have done as a collective Bavarian Podcast Works family. And this is the first time that I Need No Name and I myself have been together. So what better way for the two worlds to collide than after a, an absolutely horrific Germany loss to Japan? I Need No Name, talk me off the ledge here. I can't do that. I am halfway up to the ledge already. And honestly, like after what I just saw, I, I don't want to watch any more football. I just want to I just want to play Pokemon and just I don't want to talk about this game. Yes, th- this is awful. And it sounds like that we are ready for a tandem jump off the ledge because that was an atrocious performance from Germany. I thought the attack lacked it lacked all creativity. The team itself lacked urgency. The defense in the midfield at times were way too lackadaisical for my liking. I came away from this thinking this was the Yogi Love era once again. This did not look like a Hansi Flick team. And maybe I shouldn't be surprised because I did feel like we saw some glimpses of this in the last few Germany games. This team to me looked a lot different than when Flick just took over, uh, when he started to take the team over. I'm kind of distraught with how they performed. I need no name. Just, uh, Just quickly, before we dive into who the starters were, your first impression as to what you saw, did this look like a Flick team to you? No, it was completely unrecognizable compared to like on our previous podcast, we were talking about what this Germany team could look like at the tournament. And what we predicted was like a high intensity, high pressing, fun flick team. And that's what we saw. Like you tell me, did you see any Gagan pressing from the Germany team? There was none. It was so static. It was so, it was just so boring to watch. It was boring. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. And like, and it was and the lineup selection. I guess we start with the lineup because, mm-hmm. my goodness, well, like in the first half, Germany had all the creative players on the pitch, but no strikers. And in the second half, he takes off all the creative players and then brings on strikers like Fulkrug and Makoko. What is going on? What did Flick just do? This is like I will defend Flick as much as anyone, but this is all on him. This is on the manager. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with that because I have been. One of the more adamant pro flick people around, I, I've I've backed that guy nonstop for everything. Even when he had missteps when managing Bayern, I took his back because I trusted him. I trusted how he handled players, and I thought he always knew what was best. When he rolled out this lineup, it did raise a couple of questions, and that the lineup we're talking about, of course, included Manuel Neuer in goal, center back tandem of Antonio Rudiger and Nico Schlotterbeck. Uh, someone who we will talk about in a little bit. I was not impressed by his oh, performance. Man. <laughs> not good. Uh, the outside backs were David Rahm and Nicholas Sula, who Sula, I think we all kind of knew this might happen just looking at the options that Flick had available. But um, it, I think having Sula out on the right flank defensively absolutely hurt the team at center back. But regardless, let's rip through the, the rest of the lineup. At, at In the central midfield, we did see Yashua Kimmich and Ilkay Gundogan. Man, this, those two positions. A little bit disappointed because I felt like this was a match where Leon Goretzka could have made a big impact. And while Gundogan was solid and he did have Germany's lone goal on the day, I, I felt like 
Goretzka's energy, his physical presence uh, was missing. And again, I need your name. I want to get your opinion on that as well. Uh, in the attack, we had a, an interchangeable lineup featuring Thomas Muller, Jamal Musiala, Serge Gnabry, and Kai Havertz. I think we saw some interchange play. I didn't think it was quite enough given the talent that was there. As I need no name touched on, uh, there, there was a real lack of energy and urgency and, and the creativity was not there. And that was disappointing. And, and when Flick made subs, it, it got worse. So seeing that lineup, I need no name. I want to start in the central midfield there because to me, that was the most controversial of the selections. What did you think about Gundogan over Goretzka? The thing is that, like, I, I don't, I cannot explain it. Flick had a slam dunk choice, right? You, mm-hmm. you will never find a better midfield pairing than Kimmich and Goretzka at the national team level because they already play at a world-class level for Bayern Munich. Like, he did not have to do anything. He just had to start them. And he did, like, why didn't he do it? Okay, I will, I will give it to Gundogan. He wasn't actively terrible. But right. one thing that you won't see reflected in the game highlights is the fact that he hogged a lot of shots from the attackers. Okay, That's right. He... Overall, Germany took, what, around 20, 20-something shots? And over 10 of them came from the midfielders. The attack, in total, they did not have, what, even half the shots between them. That does not... Like, if your midfield is so... It's so imbalanced in the sense that it's only progressing the ball and trying to take shots. What is left for the attackers to do? Are they just there to create space? Are they just there to enable the midfielders to go up for the pitch? And... In the meantime, you had, like, I guess you could say that Gunnogan added control to Germany's midfield, right. which is necessary given that Germany were not gegenpressing. pressing. But I would say that the reason they weren't gegenpressing pressing is because Japan more or less seems to win all the physical battles. Like, in total, I would say, what? I can't really count the physical duels that Japan won, but in the midfield, it always felt like they were swarming around the player on the ball and constantly getting dispossessions because players on the ball, they did not have a presence to pass to someone like Goretzka who could just take the ball and then drive up the pitch like he usually does. And the same thing was missing in attack, a guy like Goretzka who can pivot offensively, who can add a little bit of something on corners, on set pieces, on like crosses. Those things were missing. And I... I give it to Gundogan. He did take shots. He was one of the few guys who tried to test the goalkeeper. But all the shots were so tame. It just it took away from what could have been a solid Germany setup. And it, it just comes back to the coach because it's not Gundogan's fault that he was selected, right? He's, it's up to Hansi Flick to select him. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that struck me very early on, aside of the overall energy that, that Japan played with, the way that they were attacking and swarming, especially in the central midfield, they were leaving gaps behind them. And I think that's really where Germany missed Goretzka because he is big enough, strong enough, fast enough to break through that line and be a target moving up the field, which is where I think Germany got a little confused. They weren't able to progress and advance the ball like I think they could have because they were under so much pressure in the central midfield. And while I think Kimmich and Gundogan did control play, like you said, they weren't very effective in getting the ball up the field to actually get Germany into the attack. It was very much like we saw the end of Pep Guardiola's reign at Bayern Munich, where the team had possession a lot. They they withstood pressure, but they really weren't going anywhere. And, and that's what struck me. I felt like Japan dictated the pace of the match, and it was through their central midfield and, and how they clogged the middle of the field and prevented Germany from getting up. 
aside of the central midfield, the back line. Oh my <laughs> at God, times, don't I, tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at times, they were all bad, in my opinion. Now, we did see David Rahm basically earn the penalty kick that got Germany's goal, and he did a great job making the run in, drew the foul from uh, – I can't even pronounce his first name, but Gonda, the goalkeeper, and I'm terrible with pronunciations. But regardless, Rom created the play, making that run, drew it. But I thought he was reckless at times. I thought Sula did some good things, but in the end, in, in the decisive goal may have played Japan's player on side. I think Schlotterbeck was awful. Oh, I think that was my God. My dad, <laughs> he only watched like half the game okay he just came back home at halftime and he's like Schlotterbeck is terrible how is this guy playing and I'm like dad what can you what can I say these are Dortmund <laughs> defenders I I think Rudiger honestly was not not bad like he was good no no he was I, fine, actually yeah. he was he was he was really just holding things together for Germany mm-hmm. at the back for a long time same goes for Neuer but Sul I, I just want to say this about Sula he we did not see Sulinio show up today like we didn't see any fancy dribbles any going up the pitch none of nothing we didn't see that attacking quality from Sul that we are used to and I'm just wondering where where the hell has all of that gone it feels like every single player that played for Germany today has gone down a level from performances that we expect Kimmich, Goretzka, Sula, Muller, Muziala, Muziala really like he found it really tough today and then there was Gnabry my goodness Gnabry was like almost invisible in terms yeah. of his contributions. And Kai Havertz was actually invisible. Like I haven't even seen <laughs> criticism of Kai Havertz because like he did not do anything. So it's it's very concerning for Flick that everyone is underperforming. And I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. I am still processing, honestly, <laughs> like what just happened to Germany. Yeah, and it was a, it's a good transition you made to the attack there because you're right. They were invisible. Serge Gnabry did nothing. Kai Havertz... I, I really couldn't pinpoint too many positive things that he did in the match. Jamal Musiala, for all the talent that he has and how great he has been, it seems like he might have been a little nervous. His touches were a little off. His passing was not as accurate as as we have seen it be. He did have some great moments, especially in the first half there where he took a touch, took a good shot, and it, it did go, it went high, went over the crossbar. But like that's the Musiala we know. That's the one that's confident and creating things out of nothing. But when Musiala was a little off, when Muller, who clearly was was not at 100%, really couldn't get much going in the attack, they were reliant on Kai Havertz and Serge Gnabry to create offense, and they weren't up to the task today. Now, I'll get shredded for this, but I do think Germany did miss a bit of what Timo Werner brings in terms of those short runs and being able to move the center backs and create space. Now, I don't know if it made that big of a difference, but I I think I'm pretty confident in saying that I think Werner would have brought more than Havertz did. And I know you're not a Werner fan, but there was a lack of creativity. I have to, yeah, I have to agree with that because honestly, the lack of creativity and there was a lack of interplay in key positions because it feels like Germany's attackers were looking for each other. They were looking for the pass that play each other in, but that's all they were doing. No one was really getting into those positions that would be the most threatening position for them to be in. Muller constantly was just looking for the final pass to the striker that just wasn't there, okay? When you're doing that, you need someone maybe like Timo or maybe Niklas Fulkrug, who has actually traveled with Germany to the World Cup. Maybe a guy like that would have helped. But instead of that, what did we get? We got this team where a bunch of players don't want to take shots, 
another bunch of players, the wrong players, end up taking the wrong shots from the wrong positions. And like you can't you can't even tell me that Germany created a large number of chances from open play. The goal came from a penalty, which may or may not have resulted in the chance, but it was a goalkeeper error that yeah. led to the penalty. Yeah. So it's not like that was a quality chance that was denied. It was rather a lifeline for Germany that they could have held on to, but they didn't. And what did Hansi do to fix that? He subbed off Thomas Muller and Jamal Musiala. I don't like I I, I cannot explain what Hansi Flick did in this game. It is just like from top to Bad bottom. Name. It's from top to bottom. It just doesn't make any sense, right? It it like why did he do this? Yeah, that's that and that's kind of what where I fell on things. I didn't understand what was going on. When we got to the 67th minute, Germany at that point is up 1-0. They're not in control of the game any longer at this point. Japan, while they 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 weren't dominant by any means, you could see the momentum begin to shift. So Flick counters by bringing in Goretzka for Gundogan, by bringing in Jonas Hoffman for Thomas Muller. Hoffman was terrible. My God, Goretzka, Hoffman. Oh, God. <laughs> I, 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 was, I, I actually just wanted like launch into a rant on Hoffman, but I don't know if I have the energy for it because <laughs> uh, like Hoffman, why would, first of all, why would you stop Thomas Muller? Isn't that rule number one? Oh, sorry. That's rule number two. Rule number one is Muller always plays. Rule number two is Muller always plays the full game, right? You never sub Muller because as soon as you sub him, you lose control. And that's the intangible that Muller brings to the every game that I get it. Then maybe he could not have played the full 90 or maybe he wasn't fit enough for the full 90. I get that. But then why would you sub on Jonas Hoffman? Why not sub on a striker? Let Havertz play in attacking midfield. Let Maziala or someone like move to the attacking midfield position. Give the guys something, something to latch on to, which Flick just didn't do. Yeah, and, and, and it was really unfortunate, I think, with those decisions because he could have went to more impactful players or even players that would have given some type of strategic advantage. Hell, even at that point, if he went defensive and said, you know what, we're just going to hunger in and we're going to win this one nil and that's that, I would have been fine with that. But what happened was the team fell apart. The substitutions did not work out. I don't necessarily fault Goretzka for anything that he did. I don't think he was terrible or bad. I'm not saying he was great either, but I don't think he had a negative impact on the game. I think Hoffman was a little bit overwhelmed by the moment, but we did see things eventually lead to to Japan's first goal from Freiburg's Ritsudoen, who, I mean, that if the momentum was already changing, that officially swung everything into Japan's favor. So after that goal in the 75th minute, we did see Flick again go to the bench and Maybe these were panic moves. At least one of them struck me as as a panic move. Bringing in full Krug for Kai Havertz, I think, was fine. Although you probably could argue for someone else. I don't know who at this point, but full Krug, I think, at least gave them an option, a scoring option at striker who was potentially good around the net. If something were to break down, he could take advantage of it. Mario Gutsa, as much as I, I like what he did in 2014, and I still like him as a player, I didn't understand that. We had seen the stories before the tournament that Gutsa was going to have a prominent role on this team. Well, I don't know that taking out Jamal Musiala in the 79th minute for Gutsa was the right move because while Musiala was off, and he certainly did not have a great game, he still presents that danger, and Gutsa didn't present any of that. Exactly. Um, 
And, you know, and then we, of course, like just four minutes after that substitution, Japan takes the lead to one. And then it's scramble mode once again. Germany scuffles for about seven minutes. We see Yusofa Makoko from Borussia Dortmund come in for Gnabry. But again, it was inconsequential. It did nothing to help the situation. What disappointed me the most was that during those final minutes, when Germany needed to go forward and they needed to be creative and they needed to play with high intensity, they, they were content to pass the ball around the back. It was driving me absolutely crazy. What well, how would take? they? Like, how would they be creative? They subbed off all their creators. Like, yeah. If you don't have a guy like Muziala or Muller to be creative for you, how are you going to do it? And that's the thing that baffled me about. Like, like, what were these substitutions? And it's almost like a fundamental misunderstanding of what makes his team good because Germany don't defend by passing the ball around, right? They don't control games that way. They make the opposition hang back by creating offensive pressure. And once that pressure leaves, for example, when you sub off an attacking player like Muller for a more defensive player like Hoffman or a more control-oriented player like Hoffman, then you end up with problems. You end up with Japan suddenly starting to come out of their shell suddenly starting to be a little bit more adventurous. And then that's what leads to these goals because you put this defense under even any slight amount of pressure, they're done. So it was just a complete fundamental strategic misunderstanding rather than a tactical one because I don't I I don't know what Flick was thinking when he made those substitutions, but they are the ones that killed Germany. And then his recovery substitutions were just so bad. I I, I like it's genuinely at the point where I, I don't know if I have any faith left and flick to get anything from the Spain game. I genuinely don't it, think so. It's not often that you are speechless. And I know that <laughs> I know this really affected you. If if you can't yeah. even muster like anything, like one, like usually like the fire you have after a loss is off the charts, but this has defeated you. This it's like, flick, defeated flick me. It's taking really. you out of your game. <laughs> Look, when you sub off my two favorite players in the whole wide world, <laughs> Thomas Muller and Jamal Musi. What am I left with? Okay. Like you basically subbed off the guys I rely on to get something for Germany. What these are the guys. Okay. These are the guys I expected to do something and flick the man I trust more than anyone. Okay. In football, he subbed them off. So what am I left to trust? And in the meantime, Bayern is getting decimated off the pitch. We have everyone getting injured in the World Cup. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm i sliding into depression here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I I don't know what I'm supposed to think either. Like this is this is the most horrible evening I've had in months. Okay. The, the, the thing that's that's really painful to me, this was a different loss than Mexico back in 2018. I felt like back in 2018, that team looked hopeless from the beginning. And for months leading up to it, you could tell there was something wrong. They they did not look great. They were flat. The team didn't get along. I mean, there were personality conflicts. This time around, Flick seemed to have a good mix of veterans and young players. He seemed to put together a good squad. He had good coaches surrounding him. The team was, by all accounts... It had a great attitude. I mean, things looked good. And while their last couple of performances before the World Cup did not really look like vintage Germany, it, it wasn't awful. I mean, this was bad. And, and like I said, when we think back to Mexico, that just felt like Mexico had the edge the entire game. This felt like Germany was sleepwalking for a little bit, took control, and then completely fell apart. And that's what's bothering me the most. The bottom came out 
from underneath Germany for absolutely no reason. This didn't need to happen. There were poor substitutions, uh, just an overall lack of performance from the players. I think if we're going to place blame or point fingers, it is a lot on Flick, but a lot on the players who at some point need to start to live up to their potential and need to start showing their talent. Like Kai Havertz, for whatever he is or whatever he might be, he's not a striker. And he struggled today trying to play a role interchanging with Gnabry, with Musiala and Muller. And this is why before the tournament, I was okay with having these interchangeable forwards. But my whole theory was predicated on Leroy Sané being that fourth player because I felt like the Bayern contingent would be able to pull that off. Clearly, swapping Kai Havertz in for Sané did not produce the result that I think anybody wanted. And I think that was a big factor there. And to yeah, me, but oh, go ahead. Like, yeah, like, but the thing is that he could have had another path, right? Flick had the oh, option absolutely. to play Fulkrug there, and he didn't. And that's one of the problems with Flick. He has not kept it simple. What is going on here? Why did why start Gundogan? Why start? Why not start Fulkrug? It's not like Havertz has been in great form with Chelsea. It's not like that. Right. And it's not like he scores a lot of goals for Germany. So what's what is the thinking behind this? I would have even been okay, I think. I mean, it, when Sané went down, I had a feeling he would go with Havertz, but I would have probably felt a little more comfortable than reverting back to a really traditional formation and system that featured a, a striker like Fulkrug. Or even, listen, I didn't want to see Mukoko. I don't think he's quite ready for the stage yet. But I, I think Fulkrug would have maybe been the better choice. And I know it's it's Monday morning quarterbacking there. But if you didn't have those four Byron players at the top of your attack, if you didn't have them being able to work together seamlessly like they've proven they can do already for Byron, then I think you did need to step back, play a more traditional approach because Kai Havertz is not it. (laughs) And it pains me to say because I was a believer in his ability. I still think he's very miscast in the role that he's been given even at Chelsea. I I think he's a 10. I don't think he's a striker. I, I think he can play wing. But I, I think he's a 10 in the end, and he's better at creating offense than he is at finishing for an offense. And, and to me, Flick is going to have to figure this out because he's got Spain coming up, and that's not looking great. And 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 listen, no matter what happens with Spain, you don't want to go out and get embarrassed by Costa Rica either because we've seen what happens when the wheels come off of Germany. If they go out and they lose a tight one to Spain, I think we can assume that Costa Rica will probably blow them out. This will go down as one of the worst World Cup performances ever for Germany, and it'll probably be all all be BFW's fault. Uh, I, oh, what would you do differently, I need no name? What would you do in the next game? Who would you start? What would your start, 11 be? Well, start more buying players for a start. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. If Sani is fit, start him. And if not, then start Fulkrug and then Gnabry, Muller, and Moziala and behind him. Then you have Goretzka and Kimmich. Just keep it simple. I keep saying this. Keep it simple, right? Schlotterbeck, not great, but okay. He could stay in the pitch if Flick has some quota he has to fill of Dortmund players. Nikola Sula can stay at right back, but let him go forward. Tell him to be Solino. Give him a burger if you have to, but just <laughs> do what you need to to get him up the pitch. I mean, I swear he did not attack at all today. And then there's Rudiger. Rudiger was good, so I have no complaints. David Raum, liability at the back, but at least he provides something or the other. He's no Alfonso Davies. He's not even a Joseph Sanchez, but at least he does something. Right. So give him that chance. Maybe if he's really that bad, then maybe switch to Christian Gunter. But start a proper striker. 
get Thomas Muller and Jamal Muziala into the right spaces, give them support, and especially, especially tell the attackers they need to take their chances, they need to take shots. Because this is like what we saw in the first half is a lot like what Bayern Munich were going through earlier in the season, where there were a lot of chances being created theoretically, where players were in good positions to receive or shoot the ball, but they just weren't taking the shot or they just did not have the final pass going to them. And Nagelsmann solved that problem. Why can't Flick do that either? And it's the same players. So if it's the same problem, then the solution must be the same as well, right? Right. Now, the one thing that I would say is the wild card heading into the Spain match is the the status of Sané. If Sané is able to play, that does change some things in how I think I would approach it if I was pulling together the lineup. And I don't disagree with you. If Sané is healthy, I, I probably would start Kimmich and Gretzka together, obviously, in the midfield. You know, and I would definitely have Muller Musiala on. I would have Sané on. My biggest question is, would I go with Gnabry in, in a regular number nine role, or would I continue to just play uh, some sort of alignment that that has this versatile, interchangeable parts that that are constantly shifting around? I think that's Flick's biggest thing. And I think even looking back at the Japan game and seeing and this play will stick with me. And this is to me why I think Havertz needs to probably just get buried on the bench for the at least the next two games. And if Germany's able to progress, maybe revisit him. But this is a key part of the match. Like in extra time of the first half, there was that crazy sequence where the ball was starting to bound around and Havertz found himself in an offside position. And because he did not approach getting back onside with any level of urgency, he remained offside. And we did see a great ball come in. I guess it was from David Rom, and, and Havertz was there to finish it, but he was offside. With any type of urgency, with any type of player who is trying to sense the moment, I don't know. I feel like you make a better effort than what Havertz did to get onside. I mean, there was some crazy things happening there. And I don't want to be in a position where I'm relying on Kai Havertz to have to show any type of urgency. And I know I'm using that word a lot, but that's what that's what was lacking today for me. So if if Flick is going to go in a different route and he's going to play a traditional striker like Full Krug, then I, to me, Serge Gnabry goes to the bench. I roll with Musiala, Muller, and Sané. And then my midfield, of course, would be Kimmich and Gretzka. When it gets to the back line, I would go probably a little more traditional uh, this time out uh, and see what would work. I'd go with Gunter at left back. As much as I like what Rom can do, he's just, to me, at this stage of his career, a little reckless little sloppy with his positioning. Uh, I would go with Sula and Rudiger at center back, and I would probably look at Klosterman if he is healthy because I want a little more stability for this match. I think inserting Sané back will give the offense a little bit more creativity, a little more bite. You might not need those outside backs to, to really charge up field as much, and maybe that's a little too conservative, and usually I'm not someone that favors that, but after seeing what I saw today, and seeing how bad Schlotterbeck was, I, I don't I don't want to see him back in the starting 11. I think Schlotterbeck and Havertz need to take a seat. I'll go the opposite direction. I think Germany needs to go harder into the offensive department. Because, Everybody look, in. The defense, everyone in. Because look, the defense can't withstand any amount of pressure, right? So if you right. get into a situation where Spain are dominating the game or even have the momentum shifting in their direction, that's it. That's done for in Germany's case. So I would select a lineup that generates the most offensive pressure possible so that Flick's system can do what it does best. Because you think about what 
went right for Bayern in the treble year. The system demand generated so much pressure mm-hmm. on the ball that you didn't end up needing to press the entire length of the pitch, right? That's we memed about the high line back then, but the high line served a tactical pr- purpose, right? It made the pitch smaller so that you could create more overloads in midfield and win the ball back faster so that you didn't have to do more traditional defending. And I think that's what's missing from this current Germany side. That that complete, what should I say, that intensity, but also the tactical edge offered by a high line and very offensive fullbacks. And in the meantime, you have the selection suggesting that that's what Hansi Blake wants to play. But the players on the pitch don't reflect it. So it feels like there's just a strategic mismatch here between what Hansi wants to do, what he should be doing, and what we're seeing on the pitch. It's just, it's all a mess. And I don't think Hansi, like, this is, was my concern in the last podcast I recorded. This was my main concern, that if Hansi does not get it right versus Japan, he's out of time. He doesn't have time to fix things for Spain. It has to get it right next time or it's over. Yeah, yeah, I think you're 100% right. And one last question I have for you before we get to some final thoughts. Would you consider moving Yashua Kimmich to right back, trying to solidify that position and maybe give you what you want to see out of those outside backs? Because to well, me, that is a solution where if Gondwan has not been terrible and Goretzka can provide something that neither Gondwan or Kimmich can in the central midfield, do you think that that might be a solution Flick would look to? It's. I don't think that's a solution, at least for the Spain game. I think for Spain, you need to go with something more tried and tested and keep Kimmich in midfield because you're going to need Kimmich there. Because Spain have yeah. a great midfield. They have Rodri, they have Pedri, those kinds of guys. You need Kimmich there, right? That's like, You don't want to lose the midfield battle against a team like Spain. And I don't have trust in Gunuan to control the midfield in the absence of Joshua Kimmich. And Goretzka is not a control-oriented player. He can offer physicality, but not control. So without Kimmich, everything falls apart. And yeah, he's not played right point. back in such a long time. So <laughs> like, if it doesn't work, right, then maybe you have to think about it. But even if it doesn't work, if Germany don't at least manage a draw versus Spain, there's no point in talking about it because it's oh, all yeah. over, right? It's all over. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I mean, for my final thoughts on this, I'm extremely disappointed in what Germany did. I'm I'm still kind of stuck on the last 15 minutes of, minutes of the match and how Germany let that happen. Because to me, it was all avoidable. And Flick, while I didn't like his lineup, while I didn't like his substitutions, the one thing we had historically never really seen under Flick in a big moment is his team collapse under pressure. Or his team just failed to rise to the occasion to defend a lead. I mean, they held off PSG in the Champions League final. This Japanese team was not PSG. They had nowhere near the talent level that PSG had. And I get it. This Germany team is probably not at the level of that Bayern Munich squad either. But Flick had a masterful approach for how he got his players to perform. And that is not happening. And sadly, for those of us who are in the hashtag Flick Mafia... (laughs) It's a, he's losing a little bit of his luster and maybe his legend is being knocked down a little bit because he was looked at as the savior for Germany. He was going to be the one that was going to right the ship. And by all means, Germany's not done yet, but it's not looking good. Spain has the absolute ability to knock Germany out and send them away for the entirety of the tournament and, and essentially make that Costa Rica match a complete non-factor. I'm disappointed. I'm expecting Germany to be a lot better, but 
I'll be honest, I don't know if I have a ton of confidence that they will be. I need no name. Any final thoughts for us? Uh, my final thought is that Thomas Muller needs to start taking shots. I am yes. so tired of watching Thomas Muller pass to someone only for them to miss. For, for goodness sake, man, you are the World Cup top scorer, okay? You won a World Cup golden boot. Take your shots. Who is going to criticize you? This is your daddy on the bench, okay? Just just take the shot, man. There's no Lewandowski. There is no Chupamotic. There is no, no one here but you to take the shot. Just take the shot and get those goals and save Germany. Because at this point, I don't know what Flick is going to do. I don't know what anyone else is going to do. So I put my faith in the players that have always come through for me. So... Thomas Muller for me is has to be the guy. And if he isn't, then then rip rip Germany. Good thing for Bayern. The Germans come back early so we can start preparing for the second <laughs> half. Ah, silver lining and everything, right? Yeah. Well, well, that will about do it. This was the, again, first time that I need no name and myself have gotten together and I had a blast doing it. It would have probably been a little bit different if Germany had shown had anything won, in this match. Actually, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe we could feel good about something. Instead, this turned into two of us lamenting the state of the German national team and probably feeling a little bit sorry for ourselves for having watched that match. Uh, as always, you can get the site at Bavarian FB works on Twitter. You can get me at the barrel blog. You can get, I need no name at BFWINNN. You can get our tweet Meister, Tommy Adams at Tommy Adams 71. Of course you can get all of our great podcasters and writers on the BFW site. Please stay with us. Check us out. I know most of you come to BFW for Bayern Munich coverage. We're still hitting a lot of Bayern news. In fact, after this rush of Germany news comes out, we will have a bunch of Bayern related posts for you. But we're going to cover this World Cup in depth. We're going to keep hammering away at all the biggest stories with Germany and with Bayern Munich. So stick with us. We'll also have our great podcast, which hopefully you are listening to all of them. So uh, appreciate you all listening. We will see you next time.